You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access Live. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. I'm joined alongside Jacob from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast. We got Tim live in Green Bay. Got a full house already in the chat here, fellas, as we've got, uh, let's see, Eric Sutherland, Ryan Henson, Zane Strong, United Bates, Josh Martin, Emilio, Jeffrey. We've got uh, Jake Chavink from the It's Always Draft Season podcast. We've got X Lifeless X says, Go Pack Go. All right, good deal. And of course, Jacob with us twice. I like it. Hey, Jacob, first of all, man, uh, one of the listeners, Split Screen Gaming, put a conspiracy video together for you. Let's hit that real quick. Didn't. Obviously, everybody's going to put in the refs. I just didn't see consistency in the calls. I saw his interview. The guy just seems random, weird, and very questionable. Look at TJ Slayton look back at him. See, the cat was trying to tell us. Cat was trying to tell me the whole time. Not gold, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> the best freaking. I I Again, that was split screen gaming. So if you guys need any videos put together, hit your boy up. Phenomenal. <laughs> What's that, Tim? <laughs> Phenomenal. I love it. That's great, man. All right, let's do this. Let's hit on some news. We got the injury report that dropped, okay? Um, obviously, we're, what, two days away from kickoff. So the injury report didn't change much as we flash it up here. Jair Alexander was limited. That's that's a good sign, right? He's out there at least limited, testing the back out a little bit. It's not something he's going to be out for two or three weeks. Doesn't seem like, at least. Of course, Zane Anderson did not participate. Uh, Bach did not participate. Uh, Devondre Campbell did not participate. Uh, Rashawn Gary was limited. I think he's good to go, as we would all agree. Elton Jenkins obviously did not participate, going to be out for at least two or three more weeks. 
Um, Aaron Jones, limited participation. That's a pretty good sign. Zach Tom, limited participation. That one really uh, got me excited because, you know, when you hear about a knee injury, you think, okay, he would he would just not participate if it was something really, really significant, you would think. Uh, Carrington Valentine, uh, like we said yesterday, did not tear the bicep. So he was limited today. And Christian Watson was limited today. Now, also, um, I'm going to show these tweets are a little bit blurry, but you'll kind of get the gist of it. I'll read it for you guys on the pod, obviously. Rob Domofsky tweeted out, Packers quarterback Jordan Love was sure talking like they were going to have running back Aaron Jones back for Thursday against the Lions. And then wide receiver Romeo Dobbs just came right out and said it. So the guy's kind of spilling the beans. If, if he wasn't ready to go, he's going to be ready now. They put some pressure on our boy Aaron Jones, <laughs> that's for sure. And then Matt Schneidman tweeted out, Christian Watson asked if he was asked if he – is playing Thursday, he said, quote, that's the plan. So it sounds like everything, uh, all systems are a go there. The one you haven't heard about is obviously Jair Alexander, which I got to be real, guys. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that Jair is a bad player. Please don't take us the wrong way. We're a better football team with him. But last week, you know, the guys stepped up, right? And if you, if back injuries are nothing to mess with, right? It could have just been a, a pulled muscle and nothing, you know, significant. But regardless – Play it safe. You know what I mean? Play that one cool. You, you definitely don't want to rush him back out there and then he'll have to go on the IR because the back injury is a little more significant. But uh, right off the bat, Jacob, what sticks out to you about the injuries, Bob? Uh, I mean, it's just nice to see. I think that, like you said, it's all but uh, – I guess I should knock on wood. Um, I think it's a go that, that Aaron Jones is good to go and that Watson's going to go. I mean, like you said, Watson pretty much all but said it. Uh, it was funny because <laughs> I watched some of that Matt LaFleur, the latest Matt LaFleur interview, and somebody said something about Watson, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's typical Matt LaFleur. Uh, we'll see how he looks. And then somebody's like, oh, yeah, he basically said he's going to go. And Matt LaFleur was kind of like, oh, okay. Like he could tell he was he wanted to still play the game. They're like yeah. they love playing their cards super close to the chest. So you could tell Matt LaFleur. I, I do honestly really quick just love how Matt LaFleur has grown too when he addresses the the media, because you can tell he has no nonsense anymore. He does not care. Like if you can tell if the, if the, uh, if the reporter or whatever starts leading this question, he'd be like, what's the point? Get to the point. What's the question? And I just love that. He's kind of gotten a little more, you know, um, what do you call it? Cojones a little bit more cojones. Yeah. yeah of course. Not just eyebrows, Matt, but uh, other than that, man, I'm, I'm, excited about, <laughs> I'm excited about the fact that I think, like I said, Jones and Watson, if I had to, guess i would i would think that that look that uh bakhtiari is going to play i i just i really hope he is um but i'm not too worried about it like you said um if jair has to sit out one more week i'm i'm comfortable with Razul and how he's been playing and even if we don't have valentine back i think that we've had uh guys stepping up and i'm just kind of not so worried about it but yeah definitely uh, Josh Martin, thank you so much for the super chat. He said, I want the NFL to flex the Bears Broncos to Sunday night football. Let's all watch the dumpster fire <laughs> game on primetime together as a nation. That's what this country needs to bring everybody together is watch Justin Fields go out there and try to play quarterback along with Sean Payton, who is anyone else? Uh, I don't know if I don't think excited is the right word. I think satisfied. Is anybody else as satisfied as me? The fact that Sean Payton came out of retirement thinking he's just going to rush right back into the game and dominate, and he's getting his rear end handed to him. I love it. Um, but, uh, Tim, what do you think about that, man? Wouldn't that be nice to see the uh, the Broncos and the Bears? You're talking about reality TV on Sunday Night Football? My goodness. 
uh, it kind of makes me dry heave a little bit just yeah. thinking about it. <laughs> be be honest with you. Um, but uh, yeah, nothing like uh, getting you know beat by fifty to you know give you a reality check. Um, I, it's funny too because you know there was the talk in the the off season about you know he had some things to say about the exiting staff and yeah you know some some choice words for Nathaniel Hackett and you know um I think it's just funny because yeah can't hack it hack it or whatever you know whatever the deal was but and then you you thought you were going to come in here and just fix as big of a mess as you're claiming that it was did you really think you were going to just flip this around and you know go on a title run I mean I I'm not going to relish in other people's you know defeat but it is kind of funny you know because when you run your mouth like that you know you you put yourself open to you know you're writing you're writing checks that you can't cash right you know we we talked about this before so it's uh it's always good to see uh the universe unfolding as it should <laughs> yeah, no doubt i will say this chatting with mike wall offline he uh he was pretty uh i don't know he i don't know if ticked off the right word but I think we see eye to eye when it comes to Sean Payton, just kind of like he's just going to come, come back in here and start bossing people around and act like he's – and like I pointed out or said to him, I didn't point out to him, but I, like I told Mike, I'm like, it's amazing how Mike McCarthy isn't considered on Sean Payton's level. And when you look at it, wins, Super Bowl, obviously both of them have a Super Bowl. Um, I think you could you could definitely say that Mike McCarthy's had more success and, uh, and you know, develop better players long term. Um, than Sean Payton has. If Sean Payton hadn't signed Drew Brees, who knows what his legacy would be. But anyway, it's a Packers podcast, so we'll get back to that. Um, Ryan Henson in the chat says, sounds like we might see Watson and Jones this week. Can't wait for that. Tim, what's your take on that injury report we just hit on, bub? Um, anything uh, stand out to you? Any Anything maybe we're overlooking? Or Scoot, scoot, scoot. Coming <laughs> back. I, I hope uh, Crystal Lynn is at the game. Uh, I hope I run into her at the game just so I can say, mama, there goes that man. <laughs> let me tell you, Christian Watson's going to play football finally on Thursday. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm calling it right here. Uh, it's going to happen. Aaron Jones is going to play. I think everybody on this list except Big E is going to is going to play. And uh, of course, Devondre would be my my next biggest question mark. But I think I think the most clutch thing you you pointed it out, Zach Tom, uh, limited participation, uh, meaning that at least from our fanalist point of views, we can say that this is not super super serious if he's out there, um, you know, practicing because you know clearly that that gives me concern when I look at Devondre not not participating. Maybe that ankle is. Um, cause for a concern so zach tom at at right tackle we need it and we're gonna get it because uh i think everybody's gonna go this is a divisional game um it's a statement game it's time it's time uh we have to beat detroit don't forget how our season ended last year you know there's guys on this team that that don't forget that so it's gonna be a fun game to uh watch and a fun game to be at i'm looking forward to it yeah same man it's uh I'm really, really excited to see. Uh, Hopefully, Zach Tom does go. I want to see how he holds up against Aiden Hutchinson. Obviously, Hutchinson absolutely abused Yash Nijman last year. So, I I really want to see how Zach Tom – I think he can hold his own there. And we'll look at some of the uh, PFF matchups and stuff here shortly. But, uh, 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really excited to see that game. It's going to be, we, we actually get a listener question that we'll hit on um, in the last segment. And I don't want to give too much of this away. You kind of talked about a statement game there, right? And, and basically the, the listener was asking, how do we see this Lions game? I think it'd be a real good way to wrap up the show for sure. Um, all right, let's do this, gang. Uh, well, first of all, Jake Shavink said the young guys are so hyped, they're leaking injury news, uh, laughing <laughs> emoji. It's so true, man. They're just, it's like they're so gullible, right? They're, you know, they don't know that they don't know. And that's a great thing. That is a very, very good thing. Man. Also, real quick in the chat, I think it's Jarrell or Gerald. Jarrell. He says Don Wicks is fire. And I just realized that we should definitely from now on call him Don Wicks because we should make some sort of shirt too. I don't know. There's got to be a lot of marketing potential there. I think we, we might need to clear that with, with Mr. Wicks. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's name is Don. Shout out to my dad if he's listening. Shout so. out. Shout out, Mr. Tim. Tim, uh, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Green. Sorry, Mr. Green. I guess it's, uh, Mr. Tim's dad. Shout Don. out. Um, I like this one right here, man. Eric Sutherland said, can we trade Dylan for Justin Fields? Jones and Fields would be a good running back duo. Well, <laughs> 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 subtle shot. Hey, I, I, I don't know though. I still think Emmanuel Wilson and Justin Fields would have threw the same pass on that trick play on fourth down. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. Unbelievable. All right, let's do it. Let's hit on some of the, uh, the preview for the game coming up. Let me go ahead and save our spot here. Um, all right. So first of all, let's look at the team PFF grades. All right. So this is how the rankings sit right now. Obviously I believe all the, all the games from week three have been graded now. Um, so first place, these are overall grades. According to PFF, Miami Dolphins, 93.0 San Francisco 49ers, 91.2 Philadelphia Eagles, 81.5 Baltimore Ravens, 81.3 Dallas Cowboys, 80.4 Detroit Lions, 79.9 Buffalo Bills, 79.9 Cleveland Browns, 78.8 Minnesota Vikings, 77.1. That's wild, man. An 0-3 team with a 77.1, uh, New Orleans Saints, 76.7, Kansas City Chiefs 74.3, New England Patriots 74.0, Seattle Seahawks 73.9, and then the Green Bay Packers in 14th place at a 73.5. One of the things I like to do, obviously there's 14 playoff teams, um, if I remember correctly. So if you're counting the NFC teams, it would be uh, you know Seattle Seahawks is one, right? New Orleans Saints is two, Minnesota Vikings three, um, Detroit Lions four, Dallas Cowboys five, Philadelphia Eagles six, and San Francisco 49ers seven. So right now we are the eighth highest graded team. Obviously, these aren't standings. It's just simply from a PFF standpoint, we're kind of right there on the cusp of being playoff caliber according to the overall grades. Now, when you deep dive into the Detroit Lions, right, and look at their grades, what do they do well? On offense, they're a 78.0. Their passing game has been really, really good with Jared Goff, um, 81.5. Pass blocking, 72.5. That's going to be a great matchup for our pass rush. Uh, the receiving grade, 75.1. The running grade, only a 62.7. That's a nice little breath of fresh air. Hopefully they don't, you know what I mean? That's that's kind of the weakness. So you can see the matchup. It's matching up pretty well, right? It's, it's going to be a, a pretty good matchup between their passing game and our pass defense. Uh, the run blocking grade is a 69.9. Now on the defensive side of the ball, they're a 69.9. Um I'm sorry, a 68.6. Their run defense is 67.1. Their tackling grade, 44.6. Get Aaron Jones on the freaking field and throw some screen passes, fellas. That's what we're looking for here. Pass rush, 66.3. A little bit lower than I expected, honestly. 
Uh, coverage grade, 65.7. Special teams grade, 68.8. So when you look at it from that perspective, low tackling, and they're definitely more of a uh, a pass defensive team as opposed to a run defensive team. Um, really, it's, it's kind of even across the board, right? But what we're looking at, Jacob, is their offense, man. Their offense is definitely the strength of their team. Um, what sticks out to you about those grades there? Um, even Green Bay, if you want to hit on those, obviously, like I said, they finished 14th at 73.5. Yeah, I mean, um, looking at their strengths, I guess I'd look. That pass blocking grade sticks out to me, um, assuming that their guys are going to be healthy. It looks like Ragnall is going to play and uh, a couple of the other guys that I was <clears throat> hoping that wouldn't. And um, so I guess it comes down to our pass rush going against their offensive line because I'm not too worried about – I'm just not worried about Jared Goff if he's under pressure. If he's able to sit back there and kind of pick us apart, then you got guys obviously like Amon Ra on the, on the, uh, in the wide receiver position there that can obviously pick you apart. But I'm, I'm, I'm more worried, I guess, about if they stop if – they, if they can stuff our pass rush and then just start kind of doing those weird little dump-off screens and doing a lot of – inside runs is montgomery gonna play does that look like is he gonna be questionable uh, let's look at it again real quick injury report uh david montgomery limited participation with the thigh um he he said it's I, I i did read a quote online he said on twitter um it's up to the training staff obviously he wants to be out there that's kind of how he is so to me it sounds like he's probably going to be questionable but you know but I, was, uh, see. I had a nightmare of uh Devondre campbell not being able to play and then Sam Porta having a night game when we're on, you know, national TV, having listened to one of the announcers being like, in a breakout game for the rookie sensation tight end who's come out of nowhere, Sam Laporta. And then he has like, you know, I don't know, seven catches for like 100 yards and two touchdowns. And he's eating up the middle of the field on us because we've got guys trying to cover him, which I'm not too worried about because I'm guessing that Clay, uh, that Quay would end up sticking with him. But uh, McDuffie, you know, would be then filling in for that position we usually have Quay doing. So I'm that's yeah. the part where I start to worry about if we start having to move guys around because it doesn't seem to me as if Devondre is going to play. Would that be pretty Got it. reasonable thinking that? Yeah, guys- I, I think so. Yeah. I, I think there's a good chance that Dre's not going to play. I mean, that's just me. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm being too negative here, but fresh ankle injury, if it wasn't that bad, he probably would have come back. It's going to be a short week. I mean, how, how, how much can it heal up if he couldn't go in that game against the Saints? How, how much can it heal up in a, in a couple of days, right? So, uh, Tim, as far as the team PFF grades, anything else stand out to you, Buck? Uh, 44.6 tackle grade. So, yeah. um, that that caught my eye immediately. So, I think there's uh, some truth to what you were saying, man. We need to get this ball out quick and in space, and we need to – you know, if we got to get the screen game going, it is what it is because, uh, you know, they're not they're not going to wrap up. And if we can get some momentum, you know, I'd almost like to see tempo early in this game from the Packers. You know, we saw on Sunday, we saw the minute they started going tempo and we're in a semi two minute offense, we started seeing things happen. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying right out of the gate we do this, but I, I wonder if we see that peppered in a little bit earlier throughout the game on Thursday um, just to keep Detroit's defense on their toes. Um, because if we can get them tired and they're already bad tacklers, that'll be a recipe for success for our offense. 
Yeah, absolutely. And obviously the turnover differential is going to play a huge role as well. I feel like the Detroit Lions protect the ball pretty well. You know, people comment in the chat, Jake Shavink and the guys um, in there talking about the Minnesota Vikings being graded so high, but 0-3, man, that's what turnovers do to you. I mean, it just absolutely. <laughs> I was going to mention that, that last year, how they were, I believe, what was it, like 11 or some odd wins uh, with one, uh, what was it, one score or less. Now you look at the other side of that. They went from feast yeah. to famine, dude, where all of a sudden now they can't buy a win, even though they're, quote, yeah. unquote, playing well. You know what I mean? It's kind of crazy. Now the, the bill is due, my friend. <laughs> that's, that's what that is. Can I mention one last thing, too, like you were talking about, the, the yeah. Packers. Uh, coverage grade 81.5. I believe it was the, the passing grade for the uh, Lions was 81.5. So that's mm -hmm. where I see, like I think if it comes down to those trenches, it's going to be a wash. I don't know. I don't know what to expect about that. It's kind of worries me because if our if our if our pass rush is really really on point and their offensive line is on point, and if our you know D backs are playing really well against the wide or yeah their wide receivers, then mm -hmm. I'm worried about the uh, running backs versus the basically the linebacking squad in the screen game and then covering them on, on inside runs and that kind of stuff, because that's where it seems like we always start getting gashed or all of a sudden they do these little dump offs. People stop making, getting off their blocks. And all of a sudden you just see it like in, in that would be tackles where they, they grab a guy and you're like, Oh, he's got him. And then he runs for another eight yards and you're just like, right. why, why is this happening? And then you just kind of <laughs> see that momentum start to change. And I don't, I don't want that to happen. Yeah, definitely. Now, it's something to pay attention to for sure. There's two two ways that you can handle a good pass blocking team too. You know, you bring an extra an extra blitzer, right, um, which you've seen a lot against the Saints, but they had a horrible offensive line, to be honest with you. Um, you can approach it that way, or you can kind of uh, play a little more coverage, play a little more too high shell, force them to dink and dunk their way down the field. You know, the Packers played them really well the last two meetings, and I'll be honest – Aaron Rodgers lost those games, especially the one uh, in the final week of the season. I mean, he was just turning the ball over like crazy. Uh, you know, I talked about on the Chalk Talk today when I highlighted the RPR. To the best of my knowledge, that's the first RPR that the Packers have ran. Uh, if if they've ran it before, whether it was preseason and, and that little wrinkle was in there, I overlooked it. But, um, you know, that's something they didn't have last year. You get inside the five, and you got inside the five a lot against the Detroit Lions. They would – you know, come out in the RPO, and they didn't have that RPR option. And now they've got it with Jordan Love. It's just something else they can put on tape and, and make them think about for sure. So um, we'll see how that goes. But uh, all right, good stuff. Let's move on to the power ranking side of PFF real quick. Um, so when it comes to team metrics, um, power rank overall, the Detroit Lions are actually 12th and Green Bay is 10th. And you're going, how can that be, Clayton? You know, they got a good offense. It's because of that Joe Barry defense, okay? <laughs> the Lions defense power rank is 19th. The Packers is 7th. So we climbed from 10th to 7th now, okay, um, after last week. Power rank on offense, the Lions are 13th. The Packers are 27th on offense, okay? Strength of schedule played, here's where it gets tricky. The, uh, the Lions have uh, played the 10th uh, strongest or toughest schedule so far in the entire National Football League, and we're 26 there. So we've played a lot of weaker teams. Detroit's played some tougher teams, obviously opening it up with the Chiefs, kind of goes without saying. Um, you know, average offensive snaps, they're averaging 69.7 snaps. We're averaging 65. Of course, last week helped us a lot uh, with that comeback win. Um, a percentage of run plays, they're running the ball 45.4% of the time. We're running at 39.9% of the time. Again, a comeback 
plays into that a little bit. But last year we were pretty much 50-50 run to pass ratio. We're passing more with Jordan Love than we did with Aaron Rodgers. Think about that. Um, percentage of pass plays, 60.1% for the Packers, only 54.6% for the Lions. EPA per run, okay, negative 0.19 for the Lions, negative 0.26 for us. So they're not a great running team, but they are you know, significantly better than us, obviously. EPA per pass, you know, we just talked about what their strength was, right? Um, Detroit's strength is their passing game. Their EPA is only .07. The Packers is .26, which Ryan's done a good job highlighting that on his podcast about how, um, you know, EPA is kind of through the roof for Jordan Love, and you're expecting that to go down, and it may have actually gone down a little bit uh, this week. So when you look at the – we'll get to the quarterback comparison here in a minute, but – what do you think about those power rankings, Jacob? Anything stick out to you? Did it trigger any thoughts in your mind? Uh, it's just a little more concerning, I guess, than I thought that the strength of schedule is that drastic. Um, in my eyes, I looked at us kind of having similar, you know, battles where you had a quote-unquote easy one, and then you had the maybe the, the, the game that people thought you shouldn't have won. For me, ours was the Saints game that we just played, and obviously for the Lions, I would say that it was the, the opener against Kansas City that they kind of shocked everybody. So. The fact that, I mean, who was their other opponent that they played? Kansas City, that is. Remember? Off the top of your head? I can't remember. I can, You're talking about but, Detroit, uh, Detroit's yeah. other opponent? Mm. I'm sorry, yeah, Detroit's. I don't I know. Tim, do you know that answer? I can't remember. I do not. I okay. Pull it up. But anyways, it just that was a little bit shocking to see that people thought that they played such a more uh, – I know that people didn't think our strength of schedule was that great. And as I always peek over here at the schedule, I'm always kind of like, oh, yeah, that kind of – doesn't look so bad on paper, but um, I mean, other than that, dude, I'm I'm just uh, I, I, what was I going to bring up here? Just a sec. Oh, with the whole uh, comparison there between Love and um, and Goff, I guess people still they said that that EPA was definitely going to go down. Ryan talked about it. Um, I still think that there's a chance that that could shoot back up, especially if Watson plays. I believe there was a question over here that I wanted to highlight and. Uh, maybe you can get to it after you talk about Josh Martin, but it was here, Clayton. He said, Clayton, can you talk about how getting Christian Watson back improves us in the running game? You know, he's a good blocker, but what does it do to running wind sprints must also threaten the defense, correct? Basically, it kind of take the top off the defense and all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. I'll get to that here in just a second. Let me uh, read Josh's real quick. Josh, thank you so much for the super chat. He said, first play should be play action deep ball to Watson. Make them play off the line early to help open them running lanes and screens. Josh, thank you so much for the super chat, buddy. I appreciate it. Um, that kind of goes hand in hand with what Dennis was asking. Clayton, can you talk about how getting Christian Watson back improves us in the running game? I know he's a good blocker and what he does running wind sprints uh, must also threaten the defense. Correct that. And also don't forget the jet motion. You know, that's something he did really well last year. And we we haven't hardly seen it at all this year. And, you know, I talked about how, um, you know, you, you've kind of got a little bit of that threat with Jaden Reed right now. I think they would have ran it more had we not been losing by so much so early last week. But you're probably going to still get a Luke Musgrave jet pretty soon. You're going to get uh, more Jaden Reed jet motion, and you're going to get some Christian Watson jet motion. But, yes, stretching the field horizontally and vertically is going to help the running game. You get Christian Watson back, you stretch the field vertically – you may force them to do a little bracket coverage, right? You may, you may, uh, you may, they may try to trigger into a quarter, quarter, half look where they've got kind of a cover four on Watson's side in case he tries to run a little, uh, a little choice route 
you know, a nine into a post, something like that, as opposed to running that on the half side of the quarter, quarter half. Uh, that could come into play. The jet motion is going to cause a lot of, uh, not, I don't want to say confusion, but a lot of pre-snap movement that could open up stuff for the running game as well. So a lot of things that could come into play when it comes to uh, uh, how Christian Watson could affect that game. There's no doubt about it. Tim, you got anything to add there, buddy? Anything uh, anything stick out to you with uh, with the uh, the graphic we just had and, and what Dennis and what Josh mentioned? Uh, Christian Watson is going to definitely bring, um, bring some uh, perspective to our offense, I guess is the best way to look at it. I think we've had our hands cuffed a little bit because we haven't been at full strength. And I think whether it's using him in the run game, using him in the pass game, it's, yeah, like Jacob said, we could take the top off the D if we really want to. I'm looking uh, forward to seeing him in motion, possibly. Um, I'm assuming they're going to try to get him going if he is going to go because it's been a while. So I I would uh, anticipate him moving around a lot. We may see him in the slot. We may see him on the boundary. We may see him in the backfield. So uh, it's going to be uh, exciting, man. Yeah, for sure. And, and they may have to ease him in. You know what I mean? That's the other thing. I'm trying to temper the uh, the enthusiasm a little bit because they may get to the point where they, hey, look, they want to have him on kind of a snap count like they did with Sean Gary, right? I hope that's not the case, but I think it's reasonable to to kind of curb the enthusiasm and expect that a little bit, you know? Um, I think if it was up to him, he'd be out there every snap. But um, did you uh, speaking of easing people in and stuff like that? Did you see? I don't remember if it was today or yesterday. Lafleur in one of the press conferences, one of the reporters asked him about the Keyshawn Nixon play or whatever, and it was again one of those moments where he shot him down. He's like, "Yeah, so what are you going to do now that he, you know, that people can play him on offense? So when he's out there, aren't they just going to know that there's something going on there?" And Matt just looked at him and he's like. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Huh? Yeah, I guess I guess they'll have to plan wow, for that. Wow, I didn't think about that. <laughs> it's literally <laughs> looked at him like, oh, yeah, well, like maybe, just maybe. Coach Lafleur has the vision to think more than five minutes in advance, okay, and think, hmm, when we put him out there though, and put him in motion, and they do key in on him, maybe that opens something else up, right? You know what's also really really interesting? Sorry to. Um, 
I was reading some chapters. I finally have a chance to read a little bit more of this book here. The take your eye off the ball guys is still a uh, shout out to that. Um, I got to that little part where they were talking about how the most infamous kind of botched play call, AKA like the people talk about the Super Bowl with the uh, Seattle and the Patriots where everybody thought that it was just such an obvious thing to, to run Marshawn Lynch. And then it breaks down as to why the play call, the situation, the, the tendencies of the game, the way that the play clock, the play clock was uh, coming down, the way that they had how many timeouts, all that kind of stuff. And then it made me think about uh, floors. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> you know, I was, about, I was, I was trying, trying to, to, I was I was trying trying to get to this through. one, man. I was too late. Here I come. But it just talked about how in certain situations, like the certain play calls, even though they seem so stupid and outlandish or maybe not obvious that it, there's, there's just certain like almost like mathematical equations that say like, yes, this is the call to play or the, the play to call right now. So made me think of that one play because everybody's given him so much crap. But like we talked about, if he just, if he, if he just executes that and doesn't stumble all over himself, it's like, you know, it's a touchdown. Get out of here. A million Get out of here. Said, Jacob got roosters on the mind. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love this. I love what we do. Oh man! Um, <laughs> Never showed you that soundboard website. Green <laughs> ruined it forever. There's some listeners going, "Yeah, thanks, Jacob." <laughs> <laughs> um, now, but back to the Seattle comment. Yeah, I mean, and you're maximizing the amount of plays you get too. Like, if you're going to run a pass, now's the time to run the pass, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a lot of different things that came into play. And and like I said, the, the only reason the the Patriots were completely ready for that play was because of Ernie Adams. Ernie Adams was the one who who picked it up watching the tape. As you guys don't know, uh, Ernie Adams actually went all the way back. I mean, way back. I think he went to college with Bill Belichick. And he's one of those guys that that he just took with him everywhere he went and every coaching stop. And Ernie Adams is his right-hand man. And those are the type of things that Ernie Adams did. And uh, he picked it up and gave it to Bill the week of and said, hey, we need to practice this. And uh, they worked on it, worked on it. So they failed miserably at it every single time. Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Butler didn't uh, didn't stop it one time. They said. And then they get in the Super Bowl. They go out there. Brandon Browner, I think it was his name. Um, it was definitely Browner, the the big corner. They come to the line. He tells Malcolm, "Hey, let's switch so I can jam." He jams the receiver. Malcolm shoots the uh, or undercuts the route, picks it off, and wins them a Super Bowl. Um, those are the things, man. That Belichick is so good at carrying an extra two, a couple extra two-point conversion plays because he thought it was going to be a shootout against the Falcons. And the last play that they called to win it in overtime was one of those two-point conversion play calls. If he hadn't if he hadn't recommended that, they would not have had that play even in the playbook. There's just a lot of and, things like that. Then yeah, it was cool how the, the author talked about how it's not just a like black and white, like it was not a great call or it's a, it's a this call. He talked about how Maybe you could look at that play and tweak the fact that he maybe should have went to Marshawn Lynch, who was wide open against like out of position safety or something like that. He was talking about, but basically when he turned around, he was he was wide open. He could have dumped it off there instead of forcing the quick slant or whatever. So right. it was just cool to, to read about that. There's also a, a little blurb in here about what it takes to get ready, uh, get your team ready on a Thursday night football. And this is right when Thursday night football started. It's funny because in, in the little section, it's like it looks like Thursday night football is going to be here to last. <laughs> it must have been, you know, one or two years after it started. But, yeah, basically they said the whole thing is rest, so it makes sense as to Monday why they treated that as basically a non-compete day. 
Right. Yeah. Roger Davis in the chat, member of the PTA posse. He said, taking my son-in-law to his first Lambo experience in 48 hours. Great to be back with you guys, man. That is yeah. awesome. That is what it's all about. Tim will be in the house. Tim will be there. He'll have him a couple daddy sodas. Might have to call an Uber. That's my guy over there. We'll <laughs> um, all right, let's do this. Let's talk about the Vegas line real quick. So when it comes to the spread, um, right now, they uh, the lines are one and a half point favorites. Okay, so they're minus one and a half. PFF has it at minus 0.7. Okay, uh, cover probability 50.7%. We won't get too much into that. I like to point out the cash and the tickets. 53% uh, of the cash is on the lines, 47% on Green Bay. So you may see that number tweak a little bit before game time, especially when we get uh, some more injury news. You know, if the if the gang looks like they're getting a little bit healthier, um, I wouldn't be surprised if that, that line ends up at one. It may stay at one and a half. But three weeks in a row, guys, three weeks in a row, one and a half point spreads, right? Or, yeah, this will be the third week in a row. And, of course, against the Falcons, the Packers were laying one and a half. What did I say? I don't feel good about that, right? Well, they covered. <laughs> they covered by half a point, right? Actually, I think I did say I like that. And last week, of course, they're uh, they're giving one and a half, right? And it ended up what what was the score? One point difference, right? Vegas is all over it. Expect this to be a close game, barring anything crazy happening, right? Now the money line, um, uh, right now it's negative one twenty two for the Lions. Um, as far as cash, 54% of the money line is on the line, so 1% higher than the spread. And then the tickets, 62%. That's uh, roughly 8% higher than the spread. So um, the, the public is definitely on Detroit in this game in the early going for sure. Now, when we look at the, uh, the uh, quarterback comparison here, this is really interesting, Tim. I want to get your take on this, man. Um, Jerry Goff, PFF grade 83.5, picking up right where he left off last year. Jordan Love, 65.3. Um, passer rating with a clean pocket. Jerry Goff, 106.0. Jordan Love, 106.1. This is where it, they start to separate a little bit. Passer rating under pressure. Jerry Goff, 91.7. Jordan Love, 42.2. Big time throw percentage. Uh, Jerry Goff, 4.4%. Uh, Jordan Love, 3.5%. Turnover-worthy play percentage, Jerry Goff, 1.7%. Jordan Love, 3.5%. Um, now, keep in mind, on the penalties, that may count as well. I don't know. So those jump balls he threw up, even though it was a penalty, that might count toward turnover-worthy play percentage, according to PFF. I'm not 100% sure. That number seemed a little high to me. Um, I do remember when he hit the defender in the chest <laughs> in the Falcons game, but it got dropped. That one stood up. But other than that, uh, and the and the interception he threw last week, I can't think of you know any others that are you know glaringly obvious. But power rating for Jared Goff two point five, Jordan Love one point zero. Power rating rank thirteenth for Jared Goff, twenty fifth for Jordan Love. These are strictly PFF numbers, Tim. But uh, how do you feel about the matchup there at quarterback between Jared Goff and Jordan Love? I think. Um, Jared Goff is exactly what he is. He's, uh, in my opinion, he's not a great phenomenal quarterback and he's certainly not a liability or a bad quarterback. Um, and I think the numbers here, especially, I mean, like you said, it's just PFF grades. Um, but you know, Jordan loves going to his numbers are going to balance out and it's going to reflect what he's doing eventually. We're only a few games in here, but you know, Jared Goff is having him another year 
kind of like he did last year. Um, he seems like a slow and steady wins the race kind of guy. Um, and not, not to say that he doesn't take chances or doesn't take risks, but um, I do, I do agree with the logic that we need to get him pressured and, you know, passing passer rating under pressure, 91.7. That's great. Well, you haven't had Bane Gary yet this year. And, you know, I think that if we get home on Thursday, uh, it's going to give us the best chance to win because, you know, I believe Jacob said it earlier, like we cannot let him just stand in the pocket and, you know, hit St. Brown and, and pick targets all day. It's not, it's not going to work. There's got to be uh, pressure up front on, on him. Yeah. Jacob, how do you feel about that quarterback matchup, man, between Goff and, and Love? <clears throat> um, Yeah. Like Tim said, I, I don't think Goff is any sort of superstar, but I think he's definitely one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the league, um, especially as of late. I know he had some trouble for a while when he was in um, with the Rams there, but to me, he's one of those he's guys like like Joe Flacco, like a Matt Stafford, a Brad Phillip, Johnson, Philip Rivers. Kind of, yeah, Philip Rivers, guys that aren't like flashy whatsoever, and if people might even say almost like Kirk Cousins ish, where. Yep. People don't really, they're just not flashy. There's nothing fun about them. They're just kind of boring drop back pocket passers. Um, I do want to see, because I don't think they've, that he's faced a lot of great pass rush up until this point. I could be not thinking about somebody, but um, I really do think that this week, the Green Bay's defensive line is going to be fired up. It just seemed like through all their interviews, looking at how emotional Gary was. And I, I think that Kenny Clark is poised to have another good game. I mean, I know they've got a good center, but if, um, if they, if that, I just think these dudes are ready to go. I'm excited to watch them. Really excited. Yeah. Jerry Goff right now is grading out as the fourth highest grading yeah. quarterback in the league. You got Tua Tungabailoa, you got Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, and then Jerry Goff. Now, um, I will say this: you, you, at, you, you kind of mentioned, you know, has he played any tough pass rushes? Right. Um, you know, playing the Kansas City Chiefs without Chris Jones. It's a big difference, you know, than playing Kansas City Chiefs with Chris Jones. He had plenty of time to sit in the pocket. They were showing a a too high shell look, and he kept hammering that deep dig all night long. If Chris Jones had been in the lineup, there's no way he would have had time to uh, to make that throw for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think golf is a good quarterback. I think he's underrated um, for the most part. According to PFF, he's not. But, you know, just across the league, it seems like he doesn't get much respect. I think what he did last year was pretty impressive, especially down the stretch. Let's talk about matchups real quick. Let's kind of hit on that, man. Uh, let's look at 11 personnel on the Packers side. Let me hide that current comment there. Um, so when we come out in 11 personnel, which is what we're in the majority of the time, right, let's look at how their nickel defense stacks up against us. Right across the board, Oh, this makes me sick at my stomach. The the rookie cornerback, Brian Branch, who you guys know was one of the guys I was hoping they would take with that first pick. <laughs> um, 74.2, he's going to be playing slot for them. Um, had a, a great start. This feels a lot like uh, our boy Kyle Hamilton last year. I was just uh, going to say that we talked about him. They're too slow and there's RAS is too – they're not going to draft him. Nah, yeah, he's too small. Can't play football. Forget the tape. Forget that he dominated. Had the yeah. highest tackle percentage in the PFF era. Forget that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, seventy four point two. You got Barnes in the middle there. Um, at uh, let's see, it's it's really strange because they've got him listed as uh, defensive right tackle, but it's showing he's the seventy seventh linebacker. Um, it's got got a guy named Barnes at seventy two point one, um, and then of course Hutchinson eighty two point six. That'll be matched up against Tom, who's a seventy five point two. As far as the front, let's just start with the front. Forget Branch for a minute. Starting with the front. 
The thing that worries me is if Barnes is indeed an interior defensive lineman, like they have him listed here, Josh Myers, I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch Chalk Talk yet that I did earlier, but, man, it, Josh Myers just kept popping off the tape with horrible play. It was so bad. I, I am more concerned about Josh Myers' play than I ever have been, to be honest with you. And, and I'm trying to run it through that filter of what Mike Wall said, you know, how Mike Wall said, uh, Clayton, you know, he's he's an average center. They're just asking him to do too much. Well, when they ran that RPR, he just completely whiffed on his guy. I mean, just completely whiffed. He, he, he almost fell on his face. It's just like he's expecting defenders to come to him. It was so strange. But anyway, that worries me a little bit there on the front. As far as the matchups, wide receiver and corner, Romeo Dobbs, 76.6, starting off strong. Jaden Reed, 67.9. Christian Watson obviously doesn't have a grade yet. They're expecting him to play. Luke Musgrave, 62.1. When you look at their DBs, got Jacobs on the boundary at a 47.9. I mentioned Brian Branch at a 74.2 in the slot. Um, you got Sutton on the op- uh, opposite boundary at 67.6. And then on the safety, um, you got Walker at a 74.0. And I can't read that other name. I think it, how, how do you say that? Is that who it is? Yeah, I think it's – I can't remember the name of it. I'll have to look it up real quick. This gets blurry when I screenshot it. But uh, their safeties look good at 74 and 76, right? So got to keep that in mind. The weak spot in this defense to me looks like the linebackers. But, uh, Jacob, looking at that kind of – that uh, hot code chart there when it comes to PFF grades, how do you think we should attack them, man? Uh, let's see. The name is Mifwamanu. Mifwamanu? I can't say. I think he was with – New England, if I remember correctly, before, but I could be wrong. But I'm um, sorry. What was your question? <clears throat> How do you think we match up? How do you think we'll attack this defense based off the grades, just strictly PFF here? Because to me, it looks like linebacker. They're 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 pretty weak at you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm a little surprised by that too because uh, I thought Rodriguez was a decent. I believe I thought he was a younger kid that was showing some promise, but I've never understood the Anzalone guy. He just to me has always been hot trash. Uh. So that being said, I thought we might do a little more, uh, try to take advantage. It looked like from last game, I don't know if you, I mean, obviously you've watched the tape a lot, probably more than anybody um, around. It, it seemed like Jordan Love is not afraid to look and pass over the middle, especially almost as a lot of his first reads. It seems like he likes to check over the middle. So if we could pick apart that middle of the uh, of the defense there, it looks like to be one of their bigger, weaker spots. I'd love to see Aaron Jones in the game and try to run him more. I mean, I, I, Aiden Hutchinson, I just, I keep wanting to think that this dude's going to be a bust and that he's overhyped, but he just does seem like he is going to be like a consistent top, I don't know, top 10, top 15 edge in this league. So I'm hoping that Zach Tom is able to keep him under control, but if they start switching him around, I mean, I don't see much on that defensive line that I'm really too impressed with. So if, if we can get a decent day out of the interior three, it's just, that makes me more nervous than anything is, um, anything we're trying to run up the gut. I just, I don't feel comfortable with those guys. Like you talked about with Myers and, Runyon playing horrible, and we all know our boy Rice Newman. But I'm 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 really excited to see the fact when you look at our young wide receivers. I mean, that's pretty. It, it, what does that show? Dobbs as the 19th overall. I mean, that's encouraging. Even Reed with all his problems at 48th, and then we know what Watson can do. He hasn't even shown us yet. I mean, look at uh, obviously Branch opposite of those guys. You, you we've all talked about that and how maybe in the draft we could have liked to see us take him, but. I think that we match up pretty well. Um, I'm not – I think it all comes down to whether or not Aaron Jones is on the field. I think that's the biggest indicator of whether or not our offense is going to be a little more high-flying this year or this week specifically yeah. or if it's going to be, again, a little more bottled up and then force and love to take a lot of, you know, weird passes that he just doesn't seem comfortable with. 
Yeah, you know, the more I look at how this kind of lays out, it, it makes sense how the Packers competed with them really well last year in both games. And if they had won the turnover differential, they probably would have won the game. But the way that that kind of lays out, I, I think we're going to be able to move the ball on this defense. I really do. I don't think they're going to have much trouble. Uh, Tim, how do you see this, man, with the way uh, with the way our 11 personnel against their nickel defense kind of matches up? What sticks out to you? I'm looking at those middle linebackers, and I am not afraid. <laughs> I like, let's run inside the tackles. Let's skinny post, short crossers, screen game if we have to. Yes. Um, what, whatever it's going to take. And, uh, I'm also looking forward to, uh, seeing Mr. Branch there in the slot against, uh, Jaden Reed. I got a, I got a feeling that, uh, Jaden Reed's grade's going to go up after this game. Uh, especially, uh, I believe one of the other, um, somebody in the chat alluded to this earlier that, you know, Christian Watson being simply being on the field is going to open up opportunities for other guys. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at, at, uh, Luke Musgrave. I'm looking at Jaden Reed. Hell, I'm looking at, you know, Ture, you know, uh, Don Wicks, uh, as Jacob would call him, um, you know, <laughs> Malik Heath even, you know, we've been waiting on, on Malik Heath. We've had a few sightings. It's kind of like, you know, you know, kind of almost like Jacob's conspiracy corner. It, it you know, like, <laughs> it's like, it's like seeing Bigfoot, you know, did we really see it? You know? And it's like, I, I, I believe there's a coming out game from Malik Heath coming soon. I, I hope it's sooner me. than later. I want to call my shot. You just called your Malik Heath shot. I'm going to run, uh, we're going to run the, the Musgrave jets motion thing that we saw him do in practice that one time. There we go. It's going to be there awesome. We go. Be beautiful. <laughs> There we go. I like the, you know, even, you know, the little, little shovel pass, whatever type stuff, you know, we need to get, uh, bring some deception uh, against that, uh, that nickel um, because the deep shots, you know, we're going to have to set those up. We can't just start taking shots. We got, we got to set that up. We got to bait those safeties a little bit. And, um, but the glaring thing to me is the, the middle linebackers. So I think the middle of the field, the underneaths, um, and as we know, guys like Reed and Watson, you, you get them a ball. Aaron Jones, like you said, you get them a ball in space. You could be two yards past the line of scrimmage. It could be a 50-yard play. So um, I don't know. That's how I would attack. I would I would go tempo. I would I would have a a, a good cadence and good te- good tempo. And um, I would want to hit quick hitters, short crossers, good didn't run it, game. And didn't it seem like to you guys too that last week or last week that they just they'd run that play action and they just immediately go to the deep ball. And it seemed like the defense, as soon as we went to play action, they didn't even, they didn't care. They didn't bite at all because they knew like, Oh, here comes love going to chuck it up. So I feel like if we have Aaron Jones that actually forces them to be honest and stay honest, because Jones, you know what I mean? He just takes that little short dump off and he can pop up field for like 13 yards. Whereas I feel like with Joe, with Dylan back there, they kind of thought, Oh God. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you have, don't have a run game, I mean, nobody's play actions irrelevant. Really, I mean, they got to believe you're going to run the ball. Hell, they got to believe you're going to hand it off. <laughs> so, um, I, I just, uh, you know, this might be one of those deals. You know, um, maybe we got to pass to set up the run. Maybe it's got to be screen game. Maybe it's got to we got to get creative. Um, but we'll see. Like, like Jacob said, man, it's if Jones is a go, and how much do we get out of him? That's going to be a a huge factor for us. Because what it what do we uh, figure out? Did they uh, put uh, did they keep Taylor on the fifty three? I believe and so. Yeah, they, they sent Wilson back to the practice squad, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, so we'll have three three running backs dressed for Thursday. 
Yeah, um, we're, we're going to have- them all. You kind of have to with Aaron Jones, you know, because that that hammy could flare up at any point. You you get stuck with just two running backs. You get another running back injury, you're screwed, right? If, especially if you have a lead. Um, Jake Shavink in the chat said, "Let Watson Jones read Musgrave Cook after the catch." Everybody kind of agrees, you know. Uh, Omar said it in the chat. He said this team needs to use the West Coast short game, short pass game when the line is stacked. Um, I'm going to pull up screen real quick. Hopefully, you guys can see this good enough. We're going to go to the playbook here real quick. Can y'all see that? All right. All right, I'm going to make it full screen, make it a little bit bigger. Um, what I'm thinking is levels and concepts type, uh, or I'm sorry, levels and flood concept. Um, when you're attacking that defense, you know, we talk about the linebackers here, right? They're the weak, they're the weak, uh, the weak sisters, right? If you will. Um, these are actually switched. Let's slide them over. So, so you got your Sam and your Mike, right? Those are the, those are the guys you want to attack. Okay. When we're talking about levels, or flood concepts, I'm going to be very generic here, but here's what I'm thinking. Okay. Imagine right underneath. Okay. Here, right. And then maybe a backside dig. And what you're forcing, especially if you run a little crosser here, you're forcing these safeties. One of these safeties are going to stay at home, right? The safety might get a little bit too wide out here. Okay. This safety sinks down into the box, right? If he, if let's say, for instance, let's do this might be a little bit easier. Let's say as you're running that concept play, right, you're attacking their weak spot, right, when you're talking about levels and floods. This mic, as soon as this guy drags across, what's going to happen? This guy's probably going to clamp down. Well, that's going to open up this window here, right? If he doesn't clamp down and they're playing some kind of match principle where he follows that guy out, now he's in man-to-man, this mic's going to clamp down, right? So now he follows him over as they roll, okay? Let's say this guy's sitting in a zone, once this guy clears, it's all up to safeties, especially if they start to spin. If they start to spin these safeties down here to take that short game away, now you've got here, you can mix some stuff in on the backside to where imagine you run you a little uh, a little double move of some sort, right? Kind of come up in here to get that safety's attention. Make him choose, right? Make him choose which way he's going to go, which way he's going to cover. You want to put them in a conflict position, right? Um when I look at those linebackers, that's the first thing that comes to mind is floods, yeah. right? Floods and levels play. You want them to have to make decisions, let Jordan sit back there and pick them apart. Now, we all know he's not going to have all day to throw, right? You're going to have Aiden Hutchinson in your lap. So what you're probably going to see, in my opinion, in that specific situation there where you're going trips left and you've got a strong trips left, you're probably going to go T-week and have a little chip on him with Tom. Now, if Tom shows early, he can hold his own against Aiden Hutchinson. They may start moving Aiden Hutchinson around. They may put Aiden Hutchinson on the opposite side and try to attack the left tackle if indeed Bach doesn't play. There's a lot of different games they can play there. But to me, their pass rush seems pretty straightforward, and I think the name of the game is going to, you know, just like we talk about all the time on defense, right, you you want to make them play left-handed. That's Bill Belichick 101. You want to take away their top target, right, and, and force them to go to their second and third best players. On defense, it's the same exact thing. You want to take away that edge defender and make them beat you with those backups. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that their mediocre interior defensive lineman can't beat Josh Myers. I, I mean, I think we would all be silly to think that it's just a slam dunk. He's going to win those matchups. But definitely something to think about there for sure. Let's look at 12 personnel real quick against their base defense, okay? let's. This kind of opens up. Obviously, they're in a 34 front here. We're in our 12 look. Man, DeGuara makes me not <laughs> that great every single time. Um, 
But when you look at their defensive front in a 34, if indeed this is correct, right, you've got a 54.6, a 43.0 at nose tackle. Now look at the linebackers. you got Barnes, who's going to be playing off in this situation. I'm guessing what's happening is they're walking him up into the A and B gap, and that's why they had him listed in that nickel position. They may be running kind of a psycho look that we talked about, Jacob, where it's just one down lineman. That may be something that they're kind of uh, uh, running games there from the, uh, the blitz perspective. But when you look at their 34 front, what, what it screams to me is run left, especially if box healthy, right? Um, I know Tom is a great blocker, don't get me wrong, but you want to stay away from Aiden Hutchinson. The year he came out in the draft, he was hands down my number one prospect in that draft. And the main thing I had in the notes, he plays the run just as well as he rushes the quarterback. I'm sure Jake Shavink could attest to that in the chat. He's just a phenomenal, phenomenal player for sure. Jake Shavink in the chat actually said, stretching their linebackers both vertically as Clayton showed with levels and horizontally would be crucial. Just put put the stress on those middle linebackers. And, and here's the thing, if they play extra coverage, um, you know, what do you do? Jordan Love has the ability to scramble, right? Throw in a little read option, a little RPR look, and I think you're I think you're going to be sitting pretty. But as far as the base, anything change here, Jacob? They don't look too strong up front, do they? No, no, they don't. And that gives we don't me either. Don't get me wrong, but I, say, I mean that gives me it's, yeah, it's a little bit better than how horrible they are. One thing I was going to ask you right before you threw up the uh, the twelve personnel was it shocks me to have to admit how much that this team misses um, Tyler Davis. Yeah, hey, dude. It's- and on that, like you like talked about that little pass protection. I didn't realize how important he is on backside, you know, pass yeah. protection on the run game, on special teams, especially. Right. I hate to say it, Tyler Davis. I done and did you dirty. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey, it happens, man. It happens. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. He he wasn't making it, uh, you know, hard on you either. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like he was flying off the screen. Yeah. But definitely a, a downgrade for sure with him being out. Jake in the, sh- in the chat said, Packers in 12 already fires the imagination with potentially, LOL, uh, Brock Bowers in 2024. Look at my man always, always putting them out there. Um, Brock Bowers, I'm thinking that's the tight end from Georgia, if I remember correctly. Um, man, could you imagine Luke Musgrave and Brock Bowers out here in 12 personnel? Whoo, get me fired up. Um, Tim, 12 personnel, anything stick out to you before we move on to the uh, Lions offense? Yeah, I can't imagine what you just said because we're not going to see uh, Musgrave and Tucker Craft out there together anytime (laughs) soon, clearly. Um, despite, yeah, holy cow, let me squint and read this 35.1 to Guara. Yikes. Um, just to put that into perspective for those of you you listening at home, he is the 67th lowest graded tight end, and there's only 69 in the database. So go ahead, though, Tim, continue. Wow, I'm just (laughs) digesting that really quick. Okay, so, um, yeah, in in 12, I, I, I agree, I don't think. They look super intimidating up front, but then again, neither do we, especially our our center and our our guards. But um, you know, I I still think we're going to find success um, against this team. But you know, with Detroit, they're not afraid to mix it up. Um, so we have to be uh, we have to be prepared. We have to be prepared for the deception on defense. Um, you know, because as we learned in uh, take your eye off the ball, right? The defense is always behind the eight ball because they're reactionary. And so a lot of times they're going to, they're going to disguise looks because they want to bait the offense into doing what they want them to do. So we just got to stay on our toes. And I think we, we can come out with a dub against this defense, man. I really do. Yeah, I do too. Zane Strong in the chat said, you should make a chalk talk on your opponent, on our opponents. 
I would love to, Zane. It's just so time consuming, you know. Um, that's the only thing that sucks is it takes a while to put it together. And I enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. It's just there's only so much time in the day. Now, I, I might be able to do like a mini chalk talk and say, hey, here's the three plays that they had the most success with on offense and kind of give you an idea of how they attack. I try to do that by the final episode before the game, which would obviously be tomorrow. With it being a short week, it's going to be difficult. But I do like to mention concepts that the opponent likes to use both offensively and defensively, especially when it comes to uh, defensive lineman technique, how they line up in certain splits, things like that. But it's just so time-consuming. Um, I'm looking forward to the day that uh, if that day comes that this is what I do full-time, the content we would create. Oh, my gosh, man, I'm just telling you. We would – as we like to say, geek out 24-7, man. Um, let's see here. We got United Bates with the Super Chat. How about that J-Love play action? Ball on hip, completion to Wicks. That fake was nasty. Thank you, Aaron. Ha, ha, ha. It did look a little like Aaron, didn't it, man? Mm -hmm. that. Um, yeah, man, He's he was just a lot of fun to watch, man. There's a If you go to my Twitter when we're finished up here, I, I retweeted, uh, quote tweeted a tweet of a video. I can't remember who made it. Uh, Tim, you knew his name. Who was it that made that video? Uh, Nate Nate Marzon, I believe it was. Nathan Marzon. You guys have got Twitter. to watch that video. It is phenomenal. It's showing kind of all the emotions that all of us felt on Sunday, going down 17 to nothing and then the comeback. It, he just he does such a great job with his videos. Definitely go show him some love. But uh, appreciate the super chat, United Base. Thank you so much, man. We really appreciate it. Let's move on to – the Detroit Lions uh, offensive side of the ball. This is their 11 personnel guys looking pretty clean. This is why their passing attack is looking good. It's why Jared Goff is playing so well. Look across the board here, and uh, the thing that sticks out to me, let's start up front. Uh, left tackle, 69.6. Left guard, 68.6. Ragnall, man, I'm telling you, I'm so jealous of the freaking teams that have good centers, dude. 79.4. Uh, Glasgow, 66.6. And then Panay Sewell, obviously, a uh, uh, big, you know, a first-round pick there early in the first couple years ago, 76.2. They've got good protection. Now, when you look at our matchups from the defensive side of the ball, um, interior-wise, the center, anchoring that thing, what you're going to look to do, if, they're, if, if, we can, if we can shut down their running game early and they do like to pass, obviously, as the numbers suggested, then – what you're going to look to do is try that isolation, that odd front look that I showed on Chalk Talk today where we've got basically three pass rushers on one side of the center and then the other guys isolated with us mugging a little B-gap with Quay that forces that left guard to just isolate and, and he can't do anything. He, he, has to, he has to respect the fact that Quay Walker might blitz that gap and therefore it frees up singles, you know, one-on-ones, everyone else across the board. With that being said, Look at the matchup. Rashawn Gary against Panay Sewell. That's going to be a heck of a matchup right there. Uh, Kenny Clark, you know, he likes to move from left to right, but you're going to get him uh, significantly throughout the game unless they're in a heavy set and we're being forced to go to a 34 front with that jam look. What you're going to essentially get is Kenny Clark singled up from time to time, either on Jackson at a 68.6 or Glasgow at a 66.6. I like my matchup there. Um, and then, of course, at left tackle, you know, at times we like to move Gary around, right? I didn't see it as much in this last game against the Saints, but you've seen it a lot in Atlanta. And to me, it looked uncomfortable rushing off uh, over the left tackle. So, I, you know, if we keep him at home and Van Ness is healthy, you spell him every now and again, him being Preston Smith off the left side. I think that might be your matchup on the edge there because Panay Sewell's is pretty, pretty darn good. But when it comes to 
uh, the Lions 11 personnel here, Jacob, what sticks out to you, man? Uh, I just, I guess I didn't realize that they were such a solid all around team. Um, yeah, definitely. A little bit. Uh, I, I'm more shocked, I guess, at the success of Sam Laporta. If you guys remember, that was the tight end out of Iowa that I was real high on. Thought Toddy and you, man. Toddy and you. I'm telling I really, you. really wanted that guy. Um, and typically, tight ends don't have successful first years. So, and he's he's actually really exploding. But, anyways, you know, I believe it's actually he's the third ranked tight end out of 69, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Amon Ross St. Brown and then uh, Reynolds on the other side. And then um, again, we talked about Goff, just kind of steady Eddie, but he's really, really looking, looking very poised back there. Um, and then on our side of the ball, it's just a little bit, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't want the word is um, underwhelming. I'm a little bit worried about Rudy Ford back there. Savage seems like he's, he's playing better, especially against the run, playing a little bit more downhill style, but I'm just a little bit, I don't know if they can, like I said, if they utilize and stop our, our pass rush, then after that, I'm a, I'm a little bit worried about them starting to pick us apart, especially, with, like I said, with Laporta. Yeah, for sure. Jake Shavink said, if if they give Gibbs a lot of run between the tackles, very possible it's beneficial to Green Bay. I completely agree with that. You know, uh, we talk about uh, Jameer Gibbs and, and how effective he is in the passing game. Um, not so much in between the tackles. Um, however, you know, when you look at their interior offensive line, um, I don't know, man. I just think we're going to see a lot of runs to the right. It's kind of what it feels like, especially if they do go strong right. Now, if they go strong left, that definitely balances out a little bit because, you know, Sam Laporta is a good blocker too um, coming out of Iowa. Like I said, man, they're Iowa University or tied in university out there in Iowa. There's no doubt about that. But, um, yeah, um, I could see that, Jake. I think that's a good observation. And we got Dennis Shook in the chat asking, uh, hey, guys, how do you sign up to become a member? I don't see any options on your channel's homepage or on the live stream. Um, I know the guys are trying to help you in here, Dennis. The best thing to do, um, if you go on your mobile app and click on our homepage, you'll just see a tab that says join and it'll show all the other members listed right there. Uh, that's how you join as a member. And we do giveaways and stuff like that for people supporting the stream, supporting the channel. Um, so that would enter you into a, uh, all the future contests where we're giving away autographed jerseys. Last week we gave away an autographed Lucas Van Ness jersey. And here in a couple of weeks we're giving away an autographed John Coon jersey as well. But Appreciate you uh, showing interest in that, man. You should be able to figure that out. It's, it's fairly simple when you get that homepage. Tim, what do you think, bub, about the uh, 11 personnel here for the Lions before we move on to 12 and our, and our base 34? How do you see them matching up against our nickel here, man? Uh, well, I'm looking right away, and I'm assuming we're going to get McDuffie instead of Campbell. And I'm assuming we're going to probably get Ja rather than Carrington Valentine, um, which – helps a lot, man. It does. It does. Um, I, I, I do. I like to Jacob's point, man, like they are, they're, they're a talented team. You know, this is, we cannot sleep on these matchups here. I mean, receivers, their quarterback, uh, like you said, wow. What a, what a, what a nice luxury that must be to have a center, a legit center. Um, (laughs) we are going to have to be, we're going to have to be on our a game. Um, regardless of personnel group, because one, one thing I was going to say earlier too, is, you know, this team likes the gadget play. Detroit will, will whip out a gadget play. Um, you know, they're, they're not afraid to do it. They've done it to us before at Lambeau numerous times. Um, we got to be on our toes. We can't get lulled into any sense of, uh, you know, false rhythm when it comes to how we're, we're playing D, but I, I definitely think, um, you know, 
if it if it does end up being Valentine, that that matchup there, Reynolds and uh, Carrington Valentine, will be fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. Let's see. Your mastermind says uh, Clayton if Jire plays, do you think he should follow St. Brown? Um, I don't. I don't like the idea simply because it just doesn't fit what they do defensively. Um, I think the way to approach this game is the same way they attacked it uh, last year, Mastermind, where they played them pretty well. I'd like to go back and look at the numbers because I feel like um, that was one of the highlights was how we stopped Detroit's powerful offense. They were one of the top offenses in the league. And you do that by showing that too high look and playing that that zone match. You're, you're kind of playing bend but don't break. If you get to following their number one, right, following St. Brown in that scenario, um, everybody else on the defense has to know this defense inside and out. And when you're playing zone match, it, it makes it very difficult. And, and you know, they could run a route, very simply run a route that dictates that Jair doesn't follow him throughout that route. It just depends on the type of zone match, uh, whether it's cover three or, or, or the quarter's look. Um, that's what's going to determine whether he actually – technically follows him or not. Now, if you're saying should we play more man coverage and have him following, I'm not a big fan of man coverage. Although the fact that this isn't a great running team, um, you know, that's the type of teams that you want to play a little more man coverage against. You're not, you know, you, you don't have a mobile quarterback either. You know, Goff isn't like a, a slob back there by no stretch of the imagination, but he's definitely not a, a Justin Fields top runner or even a uh, Desmond Ritter top runner. Right. So, um, you know, you might see a little more man coverage. I love what they're doing right now, though, um, bringing five-man pressures. You've seen a lot of that against the Saints and getting real creative. Who knows, this might be the week that they go back to uh, running majority stunts, right, with a four-man rush, um, especially if they don't feel like the Lions are going to threaten them too bad with the running game. Now, I'm not saying the Lions are horrible in the running game. It's just obvious that their strength is the passing game. So it's a great question, though, man. Definitely a great question. Um, let's see here. Jake in the chat said, I, I expect Amon Ra in the backfield a few times. They love getting matchups like that. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Um, God, he's such a dynamic player, man. It sucks that we drafted the wrong St. Brown. But <laughs> it is what it is. Let's move on to 12 here, Jacob. 12 personnel. This is our 34 front. This defense don't look too bad, guys. I mean, replace Valentine with Jair, right? And look at that. Look at the greats, right? These guys are performing, man. They're they're up in it. Savage, listen, 63.4 ain't nothing to write home about, but come on, dude. From a 40-something last year, dude's playing. You got to give him props. Rudy Ford had that elite grade last week. But, again, when you come against 12 personnel, it looks like they've got uh, Josiah DeGuar's twin brother there in Riot, don't they, um, at a 34.0. So um, I think they're going to want to stay in 11 personnel. And you see Montgomery, even if he is healthy, 58.8, their, their running backs are – are, are not performing, man. I think we got the edge if Aaron Jones does go compared to uh, Montgomery or or even Jameer Gibbs running between the tackles. But 34 front here, Jacob, what do you think, Bub? Anything changed there? Anything stick out to you as far as a matchup? It looks looks kind of the same, right? I mean, pretty much. We talked earlier how I've been pleasantly surprised, at least just with how even-keeled Slayton's played. So um, I like him in there. He's a big man try to stuff up rag now and see if we can get any sort of rush in there, especially like you said, if they want to try to run up the gut, like you said, yeah, we got definitely uh, Josiah's twin brother over there. Um, <laughs> but I don't, like you said, man, if we replace Valentine with Jair to me, it, it starts looking a little more even match there. <clears throat> and I just, am thinking, I was looking at like one of my bold predictions, what, what they could be. And um, I, I think just with, we think about how mobile of the quarterbacks we did face, you know, Justin Fields, obviously one of the most, if not the most mobile, 
Desmond Ritter, people sleep on him. He's very, very hard to get down to. He's very nimble. Um, Derek Carr, clearly not that great. We got him four times, I believe it was. If not three, I believe it was all four, though. And then Winston was in there, and he's a little more mobile. So we're actually going to have a quarterback that has to – it's probably the, the true definition of a pocket passer, guy that can't really – you know, he's not like a slug, like you said. But I just see us, with how fast our pass rush is and how quick our interior guys are, too. Like, Clark is quick. Wyatt is quick. Brooks and Wooden are very quick. I see us having at least five or six sacks this, this week. That's what I think. Whoo, come on, man. Sign me up for that. Tim, what do you think about the base package here, bud? I'm with Jacob, man. I, I think we can we can tee off if we uh play our cards right. I really do. And um yeah, it would be uh it would be nice to see Ja out there on the field. And um, you know, I, I hope he plays, but even if he does, I don't think he's gonna be uh, you know, out there in sniper mode following anybody around. So it, it'll be fun to watch this team. I, 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 in 12 though, I mean, really, you know, they got that, they got a, that looks like booty cheeks there at tight end. <laughs> what is that? Uh, at, yeah. So, I mean, you know, maybe we can uh, make uh, Mr. Goff a little less comfortable, maybe not give him so much of a pocket to stand there. in. so it'd be interesting to see how the front plays. Yeah, the booty cheeks has taken a mind of its own, hasn't it? I mean, I love it, dude. That's <laughs> yeah, there's things that, yeah. Uh-oh. I'm locking up here, guys. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, let's see here. There we go. All right, we're back. Look at that. First time this, uh, this freaking machine of a computer that I purchased that I probably don't even need is uh, giving me any trouble. This thing humming like a, like a well old machine. Zane strong in the chat says, feels like a different savage this year. Jacob, what do you think about Darnell Savage? Dude, that dude's uh playing pretty well, right? Yeah. I'm uh I'm definitely a lot more pro savage than I thought I'd be at this point. Um, I know we talked about early in the year, how they tried to, to, to put him in a position where he can play more downhill utilize what his his natural talents are and that is playing a little more just go have a clear assignment don't have to sit and wait and diagnose so much just just use your talents and kind of shoot and i've seen that a lot he seems like he's playing the the run a lot better he's diagnosing plays quicker and faster he's coming in like the heat seeking missile Mm. i him to be i mean dude you had such a great name everything was ready for you and it is it does make sense that you'd need to turn it on i mean this is the year uh his career and his next contract is on the line. So um, I, I think that I didn't he have like six and a half or seven sacks last week. And I think he had a good, good year or a good uh, week before that. So I'm excited. I want to see him take a step because as good as he's been in defending the run, he left that wide, that interception wide open because he just decided to jump off of that weird back foot and get like two inches <laughs> of vert on that. I don't know what he was doing, but uh. So many things that went wrong in that game that were just so silly. It was just, it was such a strange finish. Uh, Dennis said, I'm either crazy or stupid. I can't, I don't see the join button. I just screenshotted it here, Dennis. Hopefully this helps, man. This is what we're talking about. Like I clicked on with my, my, you know, just my Clayton Bailey account and clicked on Packer Soul Access. You see that join tab. That's the one you're going to want to hit right there. So he might need to do it on a computer if he's trying to do it mobile sometimes. Yeah, it's. I, I'll never understand why they change that stuff from platform to platform. It just blows my mind. But yeah, um, Jake Shavink in the chat said, "Gary versus Sewell, get your popcorn ready, man. That's going to be the matchup of the week, dude." And, and Rashawn Gary, he's on a freaking mission, Tim. I don't know if you've seen the full video of him in the locker room. Ryan shared it, uh, I believe, a few minutes before we went live, or maybe that was the first time I seen it. But man, Rashawn Gary, dude, he's just uh 
he even said it, man, I just want to be out here with you guys. I, I worked my tail off for the last nine months to make sure I could get out here and, and, and be a difference maker, man. Just absolutely awesome, man. You know how we see the guys on the offense rally around their quarterback and, and these guys, you know, they throw up the love sign every time they get a tutty and they speak highly of their quarterback. They're out there playing for their quarterback. Well, on the defensive side of the ball, that's, that's Rashawn. Rashawn is the heart and the soul of this defense and these young players they they feed off of that you know we talked about that last week you know he was saying watch the preparation he was stressing that with the rookies watch how the veterans uh do their workouts and do their prep going into this game um coming off of that loss and clearly you know he must have rallied the troops they responded and he played like an absolute dog on sunday and uh we got a lot of help from some of our younger players too in the crunch time when we needed it so i i don't want to jump the gun but i'll go ahead and do it bane is back Rashawn is back and if he ain't 100 percent, he's as close to it as we've seen in months uh, and it's just really good to have him back out there at at nearly full strength. Yeah, no doubt. Split screen game has said the cat was trying to tell me the whole time. Yo, thanks for the love. Hey, we appreciate you making the video, man. That was absolutely awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, love it, dude. Hey, just uh, think about this too. That Gary did all that on like twenty three snaps. So yeah, that's right. Close to what he. I mean, that's that's crazy to think about that. Yeah, no doubt. Omar in the chat said Carl Brooks took more snaps. Um, he has leapfrogged Wooden on the depth chart. It sure seems that way, and PFF agrees as far as the grades go. Um, Carl Brooks, I mean, that was the thing, too. You you heard about him all preseason. You heard about him all camp just constantly. So, uh, all right, let's do this. Let's wrap up. Um, like I was telling you guys, we had a listener shoot us a message, shoot us an email. I'm going to read it real quick here, and then I want to get your all's answer, and we'll wrap this big bear up. All right, he said uh, – this came from Peter Thomas. He said – What's up, Clayton, Jacob, and Tim? Um, I've been enjoying the Packers Total Access postgame show immensely and all the new guests you've been having. You guys create a fun learning environment for all listeners, and I appreciate your diligence. I wanted to throw out a question that I thought might start a good conversation. With such a short week for the Pack and a huge game on Thursday night against the Lions, what does this game mean to the 2-1 and one team going forward this season? Is it um, a revenge game, a statement game, a get-right game, a must-win game, or a stay-healthy game. I look forward to hearing your conversation. Long-time listener of the pod, Peter Thomas. Appreciate you, Peter, uh, tuning in with us, man, hanging out. For me, it's real simple. It's kind of a combination of the first two, a revenge game and a statement game, right? You know, the fact that they – I think they beat us the last three meetings, if I understood correctly. Definitely the last two, but I think it's the last three. So – Everybody, that's what propelled them to be the leaders of the North, right? Everybody's like, oh, the Detroit Lions are just a shoe in to win the North. They're, they're, they're on top of the North now, this and that. There's a little bit of revenge here. And the other thing's a statement game. You know, we talked about it. We beat Chicago, but they're booty cheeks, right? We go down to Atlanta. We should have beat Atlanta, but we said Atlanta's a good team, right? Um, we felt like they were a better team than people were giving them credit for. They beat us by one point. We said that the Saints would be the best the best uh, test yet, right, with Derek Carr and obviously that defensive front there with with uh, Anderson or Granderson, I should say, and uh, um, our boy Cam Jordan. Oh, by the way, Jordan Love basically selling the read option to convince Cam Jordan to crash on the running back and then faking out Demario Davis 
probably their third best defensive player in one play says a lot, right? But anyway, you kind of see that test with that great defense there, Lattimore. You know, you can you convert the two point conversion to Samori Torre with Latimer covering him. Um, all those things. Now this test is okay. Detroit is hands down the best team we've played yet this year, right? So for me, it's a statement game and it's a revenge game all in one. Jacob, how do you see that question there, man? Yeah, I'll take it a little even further. It's like you said, a revenge game just for the simple fact it's been three in a row. Statement game, like you said, because it, we want to prove that, um, you know, that we're a for real team, that we are an actual contender in the NFC North and the NFC in general. And then I think that it's also a get right game because like I just, there's, it doesn't seem right for the Packers to be losing to the Lions just to get right. And it's, it's Jordan loves first crack at it. So I'll almost say that it's another transfer of ownership game where he needs to stamp, put his Jordan love flag down in that ground and say like, yo, this is this whole, like the last three games were Rogers getting sleepy and kind of, you know, not taking it uh, seriously as he should. And I think that Love should start this uh, new ownership with multiple franchises. He's expanding. He's opening condos all over the place. It's going to be great. <laughs> I love it. He said that Jordan Love going to go up there and throw that flag in the ground like. Huh? Right there. <laughs> Tim, what do you think, man? How would you answer that question? Um, I'm with you guys on the first part statement game for sure. Um, I was there last year. I don't. I don't like that. The memories. <laughs> I want to. I want to make some new memories. So uh, we need to make a statement. Um, I guess that would be qu- kind of like you said, statement and a revenge game. But to me, this is a must-win. This is a divisional game at home um, against, like you said, the best competition we've faced um, this year so far, uh, and actually that we probably will face for a few weeks after uh, as well. And in Detroit, is our they're our nemesis. Uh, in this division, they, uh, the, we have got to beat Detroit um, and we've got to win our divisional games. Um, I don't know how the playoff picture is going to look. It's n- none of us really do. It's kind of early, but to me, this has, uh, I'm not going to say playoff atmosphere, but playoff implications, certainly right, right away. And if you want to be taken seriously, you want to be viewed as the real deal. You, you got to win this game. It is an absolute must win. And like I said, it's a home game for tech 1265, I want to go no no home losses this year, if at all possible. Um, and I think the get right game part already happened. That was the whole second half of the New Orleans game. I think they got they got their get right in in that second half. But uh, looking forward to the game on Thursday, guys. It's going to be great. It is, man. It's going to be like I said, a, a good test. And everybody in the off season picked the Lions to win the North. Right? We are the underdogs. Vegas right now, we're one and a half point underdogs. Right. We're playing with the house's money. Let's go. Let's just go out there, leave it all on the freaking field. Omar in the chat said it has to be the motivation. They beat us uh, three in a row and knocked us out of the playoffs last year. It's payback time. Completely agree. I like what Jake's saying, too. I would definitely like to stay healthy. Injury bug has been too prevalent thus far. And that's the difference between me and you, Jake. You're thinking responsibly, and I'm like, I don't care. Send them out. Send everybody out there. I don't care if we come out completely hurt. I just want to beat the lines, right? Not the proper way of thinking, obviously. you got to have vision that stretches more than five seconds down the road, and that's something I'm lacking. I, I get emotional over football, man, especially, especially those division rivals like that. It's funny, too, how – and we'll wrap it up with this. It's funny how in the past I'd say I hate the Vikings – Kind of feeling bad for him. (laughs) That is a disaster, isn't it, Jacob? No, I don't feel bad for him. I can't stand (laughs) 
I had to go to watch a, a game at the Buffalo Wild Wings because those stupid Vikings. Can't stand them. They're the worst. <laughs> Stank. <laughs> Tim, what do you got for us, buddy? Closing thoughts here, man. What do you want to hit on before we wrap up? Um, I just wanted to touch on this yesterday. We didn't we didn't get a chance, so I'll wrap up today with it. Um, we talked about the drop issues with our receivers, mm-hmm. and um, I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, Jacob had a great point. A lot of those were really good defense. A lot of them were really bad defense that, for some reason, we didn't see flags. Um, mm-hmm. But I will tell you this, um, Jaden Reed stepped up and made probably the biggest catch of the game at that point um, when we needed it. That was an absolute full, full extendo fingertip grab clutch. Okay. And then we get in the end zone with Jordan love and we need two. Lafleur's calling for two. And what do we get? We get Samari Toure who did not show up at all, but he caught the two point conversion. Yeah. I believe it was a contested catch too, that he hauled in. So, or at least semi-contested, I don't know. And uh, same thing with uh, Tay Wicks. I mean, uh, Don Wicks, sorry, Jacob. Um, Even him, you know, you see him have a little bit of struggles, but, you know, these guys are coming up big in big moments, and that's what you want to see. And it's really cool when they're young players like this. So go, Pat, go. Yeah, I actually broke that play down on Chalk Talk, and it was a slot cross concept with the Y being, the you know, basically the slot cross. And it was designed to have Luke Musgrave run a crosser and then a backside dig behind it with some more Torre. They played it perfect. Torre broke his route off, kind of sat down with Latimer. Love seen it. He's seen on the other side we had a uh, a little sit, a sit-flat combo. And it wasn't there. He comes back, looks to the left, and catches some more Torre. Led him perfectly outside away from Lattimore. Lattimore was just like, I cannot. You could see it all over his face. I can't believe I just let that freaking happen. It was <laughs> absolutely awesome. Um, here we go. United Bates with a $5 super chat said, donation for Jacob's NFL Sunday ticket. Hey, yo. It's my internet or anything. <laughs> Jacob, parting thoughts, buddy. Oh, man. Again, I'm just – I. I in one way, I do hate these short weeks, but in another way, I'm, I love them. Because look at it, guys. We got just one more sleep, basically, and then we – well, two more, I guess. Then we got Packers football again. Um, I'm – I'm another real quick thing is, like I talked about uh, in that book, they um, – I believe it was, yeah, the 168-hour work week is the chapter where they talked about how these plays – um, a lot of them come from the coach, but a lot of them, most of them come from the coaching staff and they fight to get these plays in week after week after week. And maybe they'll get like one. And uh, LaFleur was asked who created that throwback play. Oh, there you go. And he said that actually came from Vrabel, uh, the wide receivers coach. And he said that we really probably shouldn't have thrown it in because we only had like two different practice sessions with that in. And when you read that chapter, they talk about what that actually takes because you only really it's crazy to think about it. They have such a short span of um, practice time to get all these different things implemented that you maybe once a, a play call, one single play call gets implemented into their group of calls and all that, and they decide to go with it, they maybe practice it like two times, maybe three, and then they're expected to go out there and know every single aspect of it when they actually get it called in the game. So just to know that little background information, when you see it on the field, it makes you not just be like, Oh, it was a stupid play call. Like <laughs> how much time and effort went into that. That was like somebody's yeah. dream that they put down on paper that they fought for. 
And then, yeah. like, at the last second, some dude's eating Cheetos. Like, what a stupid play call, idiot. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, just dude. 30, 30 pounds overweight and get the Cheeto stains on his whitey tidies, right? Like, just sitting there. <laughs> yeah. I've just, been there. Hey. Is that, is that Beavis or Butthead we're talking about? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There, there's nothing that drives me crazier than hearing a fan say, why don't we run the ball? And then literally four plays later going, why are we running the ball? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what do you want them to do, bro? Trust me, they put a little more thought into this game plan than you did. I promise you that. <laughs> but, uh, all right, I want to give a special shout-out to all the Super Chats tonight. Josh Martin, United Bates, you guys are absolutely awesome. Uh, I want to thank everybody, a member of the YouTube uh, group here, the PTA Posse. Appreciate you guys being a part of that. Like I said, um, not not Thursday night, but the following week, that game during the post game show, we're going to give away a John Kuhn autographed jersey. So, we anyone who's a YouTube member, we're going to uh, put that, uh, put your name into the uh, onto the the wheel of names, I should say, and spin that live. We'll spin it three times like we did last time. Make sure we get a winner. I think that's the right way to do it moving forward, so we don't hold on to merch too long. But again, want to thank everybody for hanging out with us. For those of you listening on the pod. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Hope y'all have an awesome, awesome work day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack up. The power sweep. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Tell the tackle, the defensive end if he's over, if he's not, you drive down the first man who's inside. Pull back and get him. Take the first man outside the offense. No one shows.